0: Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed
1: and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him.
2: Getting you started on your day.
3: With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and
4: everything in between.
2: It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. With
4: Joe McLean and Emily
2: Alcaraz. Praise
4: be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean, and it's great to be on with you this morning. How are you doing? Are you up and you about? Are you about your your day wherever you're going to work, dropping the kids off at school, running errands, or whatever's on your calendar today? I pray that the precious and holy blood of Jesus will cover you and give you much grace today. We've got a great show lined up for you. Uh, we're going to have uh, Christopher Ferrara on from the uh, St. Thomas More Society in this hour, talking about religious liberty. I see an article out about the. Uh, governor of Virginia, uh, basically saying you don't have to go to church, whether it's legal or not is beside the point. You don't have to go because God can hear you anywhere else. That's maybe true, but uh, I think there's a lot more to that story. Plus, there's the the Cuomo story against the uh, diocese in New York. We'll be discussing all of that, plus more, with Christopher Ferrara of the St. Thomas More Society in the hour. And then next hour, Alan Smith, my friend from Canada, who has written two books on Fulton Sheen, will be on with us to talk about Fulton Sheen and Advent. Uh, I love Fulton Sheen, and I think he's uh, such a brilliant star in the American Church. And we'll have a lot to say about that. So Alan Smith is an expert on Fulton Sheen, and he'll be joining us. Don't forget, we have the greatest game show, Catholic trivia game show, ever in the history of of radio on the program in the next hour. And prizes are included, so stay tuned for that. But uh, hey, good morning, Emily Alcaraz. Morning, Joe. Happy Friday. Praise God. uh, Everything is uh, heading into the weekend. We'll have an opportunity to rest up and uh, come back with a great new lineup of shows next week. But you are in the midst of finalizing your finals for uh, your University of St. Thomas.
3: That's right. Uh, I'm a senior now, so it's my second to last semester.
4: Second to last. You're Mm -hmm. almost there.
3: Almost there. So close. Yikes.
4: (laughs) Is it going well anyways, Uh, final week?
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm a theology major, so I love all of my classes. Yeah. they were so great. Um, definitely could use the prayers. So if you got them, I'd love them. But it's going well.
4: I don't miss those days. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> uh, and then Adrian Fonseca, our producer, uh, on the ones and twos, as I say. Good morning. On the ones and twos. Good morning. And uh, you don't have finals anymore. No, I do not. Lucky graduated man.
5: graduated out, yeah. out of that life now.
4: Praise Praise God. God. And I remember when you were interning with us you, you, during finals week, you were sleeping. You were near horizontal. <laughs> hey, but I showed up. Yeah, you did show <laughs> <up>. <laughs> That might be me. <laughs> So great show lined up again. Christopher Farrar from the St. Thomas More Society will be on to talk about religious liberty later in this program. But let's begin by collecting our intentions, your intentions, dear listener, whatever's on your plate today, whatever needs you might have, whether they're uh, medical, material or spiritual, whatever they may be. Let's bring them to Our Lady, the Queen of Heaven and Earth and uh, ask her to whisper them into the the ear of her son, that he may draw us ever so close into his most sacred heart. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word Incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the headlines with Emily Alcarez.
3: MasterCard and Visa have stopped allowing their cards to be used on Pornhub. The companies announced they have prohibited the use of their cards on the adult website after the New York Times columnist Nicholas Kristof reported that the platform included videos of child abuse and rape. Both companies had started investigations this week into their financial ties with MindGeek, the parent company of Pornhub, and confirmed unlawful content causing them to cut ties with the site. 106 House Republicans are backing the Texas election lawsuit in the Supreme Court. The 106 lawmakers asked the nation's top court on Thursday for permission to file a friend of the court brief that asks the justices to uphold the power of state legislatures to establish how presidential electors are appointed and to determine the constitutionality of ballots cast and counted under election rules established by non-legislative officials this comes after eighteen states with republican attorneys general filed briefs in support and twenty states with democratic attorneys general filed a brief in opposition of Texas's lawsuit A new survey shows that religious Americans are the only demographic with improved mental health in 2020. In 2019, about 42% of those who reported attending religious services weekly told Gallup that their mental health was excellent. In 2020, 46% said the same, an increase of 4 percentage points. The survey otherwise shows significant self-reported mental health declines among those previously in excellent health. Pope Francis is granting a plenary indulgence to Catholics who are celebrating the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe at home. In order to receive the indulgence, Catholics must fulfill certain conditions. First, they must prepare a home altar or other place of prayer in honor of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Second, they must view a live-streamed or televised Mass from the Basilica of Our Lady of Guadalupe in Mexico City on December 12th, with devotion and with exclusive attention to the Eucharist. Third, they must meet the three usual conditions for receiving a plenary indulgence. Sacramental confession, the reception of Holy Communion, and prayer for the Pope's intentions. According to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, plenary indulgences remit all temporal punishment due to sin and must be accompanied by full detachment from sin. These are your Friday morning headlines through a Catholic lens.
4: Saint Maria Maravies, v- 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 Oh, forgive me. I'm going to say that all over again. Saint Maria Maravies, pray for us. Uh, we're talking Spain here. Born in 1891, by uh, five years old. Her father, by the way, was an ambassador to the Vatican. Uh, but at five years old, she received uh, this incredible interior peace of knowing her vocation. She wanted to become uh, a professed chaste bride of christ at five years old could you imagine in fact when she dies in 1974 she said that that never changed that zeal that drive that desire in her heart to always be professed and to be uh live this chase this chaste life uh to be the bride of christ forever it was just as strong as the day when she realized it at five so it's an amazing story but in 1919 The uh, king of Spain, Alfonso, he erected a statue on a hill in the geographic center of Spain, just outside of Madrid, about 14 miles outside, to the Sacred Heart, consecrating the entire country to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And at first, there were many pilgrims that came to this statue. But over uh, several months to a year or what have you, that began to to diminish to the point where Nobody came to visit the statue. Well, at that point in 1919, Mother Maria had already joined the Carmel Sisters. And they felt this call to go to this mountain, this mountain of the angels, as they called it, and to build a a monastery on top of this mountain, which she asked her superior if that would be possible. They prayed and they felt this interior locution, this confirmation, the signaling grace that they should do this. and, And they did. They built a, a monastery up top there. Well, you get into the 1930s, and now what you have is unrest. In I think it was 1926, she became the prioress. Mother Maria became the prioress of this monastery. But in the early 30s, communism came into Spain and began to create uh, unrest to the point of civil war. And They were burning churches, and they were murdering religious and priests and Catholics all over the country. It was a very... Uh, brutal situation now, there was one time in particular uh, a, a communist whose nickname was the russian uh scaled the walls of their monastery to uh, sort of reconnoiter the place and uh in preparation for destroying it i'm guessing and he encountered mother maria and mother maria had a an interesting quality about her she was always calm and serene even in the most difficult and stressful and frightening times I mean, I can think of my own life of when stress really starts to tick up and things are like crumbling around me, I get more and more anxious and my everything, blood, everything starts to raise. And I lose my temper. I lose my cool, my calm uh, ability to, to stay in control, not Mother Maria. Uh, Mother Maria had that ability to always remain serene and calm, no matter the circumstances. So here was a communist threatening to burn down the place. And he encounters this this woman, habited woman, clothed, a bride of Christ, in complete control of her faculties, not at all afraid of what may come. He was taken back by that. In fact, he was captivated by her. And in, and rather than harming her and the sisters and calling his, on his communist, uh, comrades to come and to burn the place down, he helped to protect them somewhat. Well, uh, there was also a group of militiamen that would uh, roam the country, and uh, because I think it was a three-way battle in the Spanish Civil War, and the militiamen came to the top of the mountain, and again, the sisters thought maybe this is the time that martyrdom might happen, but instead, they were protected from martyrdom, although many others uh, religious were not in this uh, conflict, but they were escorted out of the building, and then they were horrified to watch uh, as these uh, militiamen uh, shouting blasphemies against God destroyed the statue of the Sacred Heart of Jesus that the king had erected. They were exiled from their monastery at that point and would be for a few more years. They had gone to Lourdes in France and found respite there for a while. And eventually, eventually they did make their way back in 1939 and they did restore the monastery there, although the Sacred Heart statue would not be. She would go on to found nine convents across Spain and one in India as well. She would remain the prioress uh, for 48 years, uh, all the while never losing her cool, no matter the circumstances. Even there was one story where uh, the militiaman held a gun to her head, threatening her, never skipped a beat, never got frightened, never got worried. She just maintained her cool. Pretty incredible story. Mother... Maria Marivalius de Jesus, pray for us. Boy, I wish I got her name better. But let's pray the gospel here. The gospel comes to you from Matthew chapter 11, verses 16 through 19. Jesus said to the crowds, to what shall I compare this generation? It is like children who sit in the marketplace and call to one another. We played the flute for you, but you did not dance. We sang a dirge, but you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they said, He is possessed by a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they said, Look, he is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of a tax collector's and sinner's. But wisdom is vindicated by her works. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Emily. Pop quiz! I always catch you off guard. I know you're never prepared <laughs> for this. Every time. So you get an out here. You get a you get a pass if you need it. But oh, good. Uh, what Old Testament passage is Jesus giving a, a reference to in this gospel?
3: Give me a second to look up the footnote. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
4: <laughs> I know it was a, it's a trick question, so I'm going to give it to you. It's Deuteronomy. I, I didn't know this either, by the way. Okay, I had to look it up too. But Deuteronomy 21:20. Uh, Jesus is saying in the gospel, the son of man came eating and drinking and they said, look, he is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. If you go back to Deuteronomy chapter 21 and starting in verse 20, it says this, and they shall say to the elders of his city, this, our son is stubborn and rebellious and he will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then, next verse, then all the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones, so you shall purge the evil from your midst, and all Israel shall hear and fear. Could you imagine? They're basically saying, Jesus is recognizing that they're wanting to stone him to death. Could you imagine? Imagine going to your eternal judgment, knowing that you picked up a stone to murder the Son of Man. I find it funny that they mentioned uh,
5: stoned him to death with stones. Yes. Yeah. The, I think the, the
4: the the double reference Dude, it's there. Excellent. They <laughs> <laughs> really <laughs> wanted to stone him. Very yeah. important. Yeah. I don't know. I just th- that struck me a
0: little bit.
3: Yeah. And in the, in the first part of that, where they're mischaracterizing him, they're calling him a glutton and a drunkard, the son of man. How often do we see this today? People who don't really know who Christ is. People who try to characterize him as something that he's not. Um, someone who fits their own beliefs and agenda.
4: Yeah. It's it, it, just the thought of. You know, it's like, uh, I've always had the thought too, you know, w- once having myself really offended Our Lady, you know, because I couldn't understand why the church would teach what she teaches mm-hmm. in regards to the Queen of Heaven and Earth. And I thought they, that the Catholics were, you know, really overemphasizing her in particular. And, uh, and then to come to realize, who she really is and her role is the Gibi Ra, the queen mother and the intercessor as my, as my spiritual mother who's interceding for me on behalf of me, Mm -hmm. you know, and you realize you're looking at, you're talking about the mother of your Lord and Savior as if he would not have an opinion about how you would speak about her, right? I mean, imagine if someone offended your mom, right? You would defend your mom.
3: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And if you love Christ, if you love Jesus who said, I am the truth, then you love truth because Jesus is truth. Yeah. and if you love truth, you follow truth wherever it takes you, even mm. if it takes you somewhere um, that you thought is against your beliefs. I've had to change my own beliefs. I know you have as well yeah. in order to follow Christ who is truth.
4: Yeah, but then I, I like going back to this gospel passage in Matthew 11, again, I just think, God, could you imagine being one of those people with a rock in their hand and Jesus is calling them out? You know, you're wanting to kill the son of God <laughs> like that. I can't imagine and I have so much to account for myself. Every mm-hmm. word I've uttered, every, every evil act I've committed, I have so much to account for. Uh, I guess that's probably why I see this verse and it strikes me so much that I feel like maybe I'm the guy with a stone in my hand.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I'm a hypocrite as well. I mean, Yikes. every time we sin, that's like tossing a stone at the son of man.
4: Yeah, praise be to Jesus. All right, we're going to go to a break. Uh, That's your gospel for today. We're going to come back on the other side of the break. Before we jump into our conversation with Christopher Ferrara from the St. Thomas More Society about religious liberty, is it on the decline? Are we about to lose even more religious liberty? We're going to talk to him about that. But before we do that, I want to have a brief conversation about Our Lady of Guadalupe. Speaking of the Mother of God... The miraculous nature of what she did to convert millions of souls don't go anywhere stay right here copy drive times coming up right after this
2: this is dale alquist with a chesterton minute have you ever noticed that sometimes it's hard to get along with your family that sometimes the people in your family are downright uncongenial? Well, G.K. Chesterton says that is precisely why the family is so important. Because it is often uncongenial. Every family is filled with the same problematical people that you find everywhere else. And so, anyone revolting against the family is simply revolting against mankind. As Chesterton says, Aunt Elizabeth is unreasonable like mankind. Papa is excitable, like mankind. Our youngest brother is mischievous, like mankind. And so, if we can get along with our family, we can get along with anyone. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, Chesterton.org.
0: Over the years, people were treated as less than human because they were a different race, a different faith, or vulnerable. But over time, we must learn that we are all God's children, created in His image, that all human creation has an inalienable right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, a right to love and be loved. So let's cherish the sanctity of life, because we know how it feels when others treat us as less than human.
4: Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Good morning. I'm Joe McClain. It's good to be on with you. Praise be to Jesus. Don't forget, next hour, Alan Smith, my good friend, has written two incredible books about uh, Venerable Archbishop Fulton Sheen. And we're going to have a conversation with him about Advent, Fulton Sheen and Advent. That's coming up in the next hour. Plus, the, uh, the Best Ever Catholic Trivia Game Show on radio is in the next hour as well. Prizes are involved. If you want to be a contestant to that, you make sure you want to stick around for the phone number to call. We'll give that out later on. But in this hour, Christopher Ferrar from the St. Thomas More Society is coming on to talk about religious liberty. There's a couple of stories in the news that I wanted to chat with him about. Uh, this morning, Breitbart reports that uh, Governor Ralph Northam tightens coronavirus restrictions. He says, you don't have to sit in church for God to hear your prayers. That is true. However... Should you go to church? That's the question. And I think the answer is yes. The question is, will we have access to church? Is that getting harder? Is it getting easier? We'll have that conversation with Christopher Ferrara coming up in just a few minutes. Uh, Plus, there's the Cuomo versus the uh, Diocese of New York story that has now become precedent for a lot of these cases. So uh, we'll see what Christopher has to say about that. Uh, But, Emily, I wanted to jump into a little conversation before we have that uh, with uh, with you about Our Lady of Guadalupe.
3: Oh, yes. My favorite Marian apparition.
4: I, as a convert, didn't know anything about uh, Our Lady of Guadalupe. I had to learn about this sort of the hard way. you cradle Catholic?
3: Yeah, but Joe, even a lot of cradle Catholics don't know as much as they should about this Marian apparition.
4: You know, I'm also surprised that a lot of Hispanic Catholics don't know much about Mm -hmm. Our Lady of Guadalupe. I mean, uh, I've known... uh, of folks that have lived their whole lives in Mexico and didn't really know a lot about. I mean, they obviously have images of Our Lady of Guadalupe right. and they have some devotion to her, uh, which is good, praise God. But they didn't really know the details of that. Is that mm-hmm. true for you or how did that work?
3: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I didn't learn. um And I feel like every year when the feast day comes around, I learn something new. I'm still learning new things about Our Lady of Guadalupe. The apparition is just so rich and yes. so Astounding.
4: Yeah. So. I, on, um, I guess it was Wednesday, I talked about St. Juan Diego because it was his feast day. Um, incredible figure, Saint Juan Diego. I think he is. A, I, I don't appreciate him enough. I would say mm-hmm. I, I wanted to appreciate him more. So I was enjoying reading more about his particular role in the apparitions in 1531. Of course, uh, she appeared to him the first time on December the ninth. But there was so much that led up to this incredible time in the uh, in the Aztec Empire. I, I you know I looked at this book from Warren Carroll, uh, and I just love 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 this book about this apparition, because he brings together these three individuals, Bishop Zamarga, Juan Diego, and Hernán Cortés. And when you look at Hernán Cortés's march to, to uh, the Aztec capital, Mexico City, in 1519, um, it is so incredible uh, how Hernán really was taken back by the... Um, the blasphemies, the uh, the incredible evil that was being uh, lived out there. I mean, we talked about this grand offering of the sacrifices to consecrate the temple in Mexico City uh, in 1487. 80,000 human persons were sacrificed in a single instance. I mean, they were sacrificed over the course of four days. But in one great offering, four days, nonstop, 80,000 human beings. And Hernan Cortez, uh, Bernal Diaz, his, his, the guy that was with him on the trip that, uh, wrote everything down, they came across one village and they estimated a hundred thousand skulls built a wall there. A hundred thousand skulls. He says it was easy to count them because, uh, to use math because they were lined up so perfectly. And so they could mm-hmm. just do the math and wow. figure out how much they had. Uh, so uh, the grave evils that were, uh, a part of the daily life, yeah, the suffering horrific. of these people, uh, in this. And Bernal, uh, rather Hernan Cortez felt like it was his duty as a Catholic to bring the light of Christ to these people mm-hmm. and to convert them. And he really felt like it was his duty to convert them to the faith and to bring them, uh, bring them to Christianity. And of course that paved the way. For what would come next in 1531 when Our Lady comes to appear to Juan Diego. And then, of course, we know the story. Eventually, uh, Zumaraga finally gets on the team, right? He's, mm-hmm. he, he's praying for a sign. He had met Juan Diego twice, still didn't believe, but he said he prayed, he prayed and he asked Our Lady for a sign. And Our Lady provides the sign he wants. And that's the Castilian flowers on the top of Tepeyac, which was a deserted hill. So there would, like, nothing would have grown there anyway besides cactus. And so in the winter, the beautiful flowers show up. And of course, we know that story. And by Christmas time, so what, three weeks, two weeks, they build the, they build the chapel and the, 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 uh, the tilma, which I, you, if you're hanging out with us on live video feed on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, you can actually see the, the image of Our Lady behind me. And that tilma was placed in that chapel by Christmas time. I mean, the speed of that is amazing. Where
3: there's a will, there's a way. Where and there's a will, there's a In well. order to understand the context of what this is all happening, I think t- people tend to romanticize, um, the Aztec nation. Uh, you know, you'll see people who get like tattoos or tapestries of, you know, Aztec uh, symbols. But really, this was a very brutal culture. And, and yes. our, our secular culture, our secular university history classes, they tend to demonize the colonizers. But really, you have to understand that these colonizers they really believed in what they were doing. They, they didn't, they were, many of them were not doing this for selfish gain. They were doing it for the greater glory of God.
4: Yes, yes. Now, they were, they, they were obviously battle hardened men. In fact, uh, with Hernan Cortes, he chose men who had already been to the Yucatan Peninsula and faced the, the Mayans there, because that was the Mayan section. And, uh, so he, he, he chose men for his journey, which he sort of did illegally. The governor in Hispaniola didn't want, he basically revoked his charter at the last minute, but Hernan just, did it anyway. Mm-hmm. And in fact, once he once he landed in Veracruz, what is now Veracruz, he actually had to write to the Spanish crown to sort of make this thing legal. <laughs> you know, and then when he did that, you know, of course they 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 pressed into Mexico City. And at one point, the texklala came out against them in like tens of thousands. And even Hernan's uh, own men were like, we should turn back. We should flee to the shore, get on a boat and ask for help. And Hernan says, no, the more the mores. The better the glory. And he's referring to the Muslims that had invaded Spain mm-hmm. and occupied it for 700 years. And by the Reconquista, you know, there was glory in fighting for, for Christ and for Christendom. And so he's, he's. He's inflaming this in their hearts and they stood their ground and they defeated they're talking two or three hundred men, defeated thirty thousand of these Aztec warriors and uh and won one not only defeated them, but more importantly, he won their friendship. Be- they respected him for standing his ground against such odds and they went into an agreement with him and then it was with that, with that support of these people that he was able to go and free them because these people had been at war with Montezuma for a hundred years. So he And they were using these people as the sacrifices. So he was mm-hmm. able to free them from that, and he was able to use their support. It's a fascinating story. And, and then, of course, uh, So Our Lady appears 1931. 1932 to 1936, 5 million records of baptisms.
3: Right, and I've heard, I've literally heard a history teacher say that the colonizers used, made up the Tilma of Guadalupe and spread this rumor about a fake miracle in order to convert people. But if you do research and you actually look into the Tilma, it's like all the proof you need to believe in God. The miracles are endless, and they're scientifically proven.
4: Yes. Yes. Uh, you know, and uh, my friend, Jesus Robles, who's hanging out with us, thank you, Jesus, for tuning in today. He, he reminds me, he is from Mexico, uh, born and raised, and he says, you know, Hernán Cortez is demonized in schools. You know, but I think if you go back and you if you read the actual account from Bernal Diaz, who was on the trip with Hernan and you read his words, you can see that his heart was for the conversion of these sinners and and for making a reparation for the blasphemies against God. These the Aztecs were worshiping the devil. They were worshiping the devil, the grave atrocities. They were they were eating their victims in addition to murdering them. I mean, there's so many atrocities. He came to save these poor people from that. And uh, so the revisionist history is run amok. But, okay, we've are we got to go to break here in a minute. But I just wanted to mention really quickly some of the miracles uh, on the tilma of Our Lady mm-hmm. of Guadalupe, whose feast day is tomorrow. Of course, we know, uh, we've heard the stories in her eyes. They, an ophthalmologist discovered entire uh, uh, scenes of people like Bishop Samarga and Juan Diego and the people around him in her pupils. And, in fact, the ophthalmologist who was from Japan said it was like... He was looking into a living person. Uh, the, the, they've measured the temperature on the actual tilma and it maintains the perfect body temperature. Uh, they've listened to the heartbeat of Our Lady through the tilma and in her womb because, you know, the black belt that is around her waist, that indicates that she is with child. And they've actually listened to heartbeats of the child at 115 beats per second. Or per minute, rather, and uh, of of her. So there's two heartbeats on the tilma. The stars on her on her uh, cloak there represent the constellations from the very morning she appeared to Juan Diego. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, so that morning, and the Aztecs watched the stars very closely, as we know.
3: And the tilma itself was made out of plant fibers that should have decayed and at least in 15 years, 30 max. This yes. tilma is almost 500 years 500 old. 500 years, yeah. Hasn't decayed. Exactly. It's been bombed.
4: Exactly. it has been bombed and survived. The crucifix didn't do as well they as the did. They threw acid day. on it. <laughs> and, and, and it survived. survive. And of course, the flowers on the tilma itself represent Aztec flowers. The, the tone of her skin represents, uh, when you're at certain distances, she looks more native. At further distances, she looks more European. She is bringing these two worlds together. And it's for these and many other miracles that I just don't have time to even discuss that they, uh, that this is why millions of people came flocking. It wasn't that the, the church forced these people. Uh, no, they actually, it was the other way around. They actually came and begged for baptism because when they saw the Tilma of Our Lady, she, who said to Juan Diego that she is one of them, she marries these two continents together, bringing the children of God wherever they may be found into the family of god uh that it was a powerful conversion moment bringing five to nine million into the church but we're going to go to a break we're going to come back we have more breaking news and headlines and then we're having a conversation with christopher ferrara of the st thomas more society about religious liberty are we uh, at stake of losing even more liberties or do we have some good news we're going to have ask him that and hopefully we'll have good news but i think there's some difficulties still ahead and our Lady of Guadalupe, pray for us. So check out Our Lady of Guadalupe, but stick around. we got more to come on Catholic Drive Time. We'll be right back. This is a Messy Family Minute with Mike and Alicia Hernan. Sometimes it can seem that our family life is humdrum, monotonous, and insignificant. But Christ began His public ministry
2: at the wedding at Cana. When we read this account in the Gospel, we're reminded that our marriage, our ordinary family life, is is important to
1: God.
6: Our Lord and Our Lady love our families, and they are present with us. They desire to change what is ordinary into the extraordinary.
3: The Lord can take our simple and everyday tasks and make them holy.
4: Like the servants at the wedding at Cana, we need to notice when we run out of wine, when we run out of joy, when we run out of love. It is then that we turn to Our Lady and ask for her help. She can bring Christ into our lives, our ordinary water, and transform it into wine.
1: And when we invite Christ into our lives to transform us, He creates the best wine of all. For
3: more advice, ideas, and encouragement, visit us Um. at MessyFamilyProject.org. Ever
7: feel like
1: life is just too busy, too much? Constant noise,
2: social and traffic, work paying bills. It just doesn't seem to let up. Maybe
1: it's time for a change. God offers us relief and hope. So if you're feeling like you need more peace and less chaos, then find your hope today. Begin at CatholicsComeHome.com
4: Speed to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. Coming up here in just a few minutes, we'll be speaking with Christopher Ferrara of the St. Thomas More Society about religious liberty. What's at stake? He'll be talking about that, but... uh don't forget, in the next hour, we have the Catholic Trivia Game Show. Prizes are involved, so stick around if you want to be a part of that. It's a lot of fun, plus we're giving out a uh, sponsor's prize today, which is Sophia Institute Press. We'll be drawing a name out for that. i will give you the phone number at the top of the hour. But uh, we'll also speak with Alan Smith about Fulton Sheen and Advent. All of that coming up, all of that coming up in the next hour. But let's go to breaking news with Emily Alcaraz.
3: Colorado has lifted their church capacity limit. On Wednesday, Governor Jared Polis asked the Supreme Court to drop the appeal of High Plains Harvest Church in Eaton, Colorado, against the state's COVID restrictions. The church had asked for an injunction on the state's order that limited indoor worship to 50 people in certain areas where the virus was spreading. And its appeal to the su- Supreme Court on December 4th, The church argued that the state's restrictions were transparently selective and discriminatory in subjecting churches to limits that some retail stores were exempted from. On Monday, however, the state reclassified houses of worship as critical businesses, exempting them from capacity limits that other non-essential businesses were subject to. Belgium now allows 15 people at mass in a slight easing of their public worship ban. On December 8th, Belgium's Council of State ordered the government to review the ban on public masses for being disproportionate when considered in context with other activities which were allowed. The new regulation for masses allows a total of 15 participants at liturgies, while previous measures only allowed for four. The Bishop's Conference of Belgium released a statement saying, "...this slight easing offers new opportunities, including that of going to church as a family or in a group." China's extensive honey-trap spy network could involve thousands of ploys underway now. Axios revealed this week that more than six years ago, Representative Eric Swalwell, a Democrat from California, began a relationship with a woman suspected of being a Chinese espionage operative. He was alerted by federal investigators in 2015 and given a defense briefing, which resulted in him breaking off ties to the suspect. Daniel Hoffman, a retired CIA senior clandestine services officer, told Fox News, I can say with a high level of confidence that there are many more of these women out there. China's M.O. is to flood the zone. William Byrne was introduced as the 10th bishop-elect of Springfield, Massachusetts. He is the younger brother of Sister Deirdre Byrne, of the little workers of the Sacred Hearts of Jesus and Mary, who spoke at the Republican National Convention this past summer. The bishop-elect has chosen the motto in spem vivam, which means into a living hope. Byrne said in an interview, Hope means that you recognize that Jesus has already won the victory, and we live in the reality of the unfolding of the kingdom of God. So we have a choice to make each day. Are we going to live in the kingdom of man or in the kingdom of God? These are your Friday morning headlines through a Catholic lens.
4: Praise be to Jesus Christ. Thank you, Emily. Uh, I know Adrian is trying to get uh, Christopher Ferrara on the phone uh, from St. Thomas More, so hopefully we'll have him on in just one second here. Uh, there's a story, uh, Emily, there's a couple of stories that you mentioned this morning so far in breaking news. One, I love the story about MasterCard and Visa uh Mm -hmm. stopping payments to pornhub because of the uh, i mean i wish they would stop payments in general for pornography but at least they're stopping it for child abuse praise god you know praise god for that that's Mm -hmm. a step in the right direction i would love to see more of that but there's a couple of religious liberty uh uh, stories that have been in the news all week and we've, we've sort of been covering this story from several angles we We've talked about it from a totalitarian perspective. We looked at that yesterday, of course. Uh, we've looked at it from, uh, all, you know, just lockdowns. And we're going to have more of that next week. But, you know, there's this story that came out of New York, and we all have heard by now that the Supreme Court came out against uh, Governor Cuomo there. But there's a, an article in Human Events, humanevents.com, that I uh, looked at this morning that I found that it was a little fascinating because... It would seem that there, that the governor was trying to specifically target. At least that's the uh, the allegation that he was specifically targeting the ultra orthodox Jews mm-hmm. in New York. Uh, when in his color coding by district, he was he was targeting the hotspots of the Jewish communities. And then, of course, right before the Supreme Court takes up the case, he changes the code on uh, the color code on that, on those districts and then makes the argument, well, I've changed it. So what's the point of the Supreme Supreme court taking it up? And they actually tried to prevent the Supreme court from talking about it. But the article does say this. And again, this is uh, uh Jane Coleman put this out on December the ninth on human com, Roman Catholic diocese of Brooklyn versus Cuomo. And she says, quote, though, not in, not his intended target, meaning Cuomo, churches were also swept up in the governor's directive. And within days, both the churches and a group of synagogues were in court contesting the governor's orders as a violation of their free exercise rights under the constitution. After weeks of litigation and defeat in the lower federal courts, both sets of plaintiffs sought emergency relief in the federal, the rather the Supreme court in November, the court agreed to consider the churches and synagogues cases together. Um, I find this interesting because, you know, the, the Jews, they, they have been defending themselves. They have been fighting mm-hmm. for their rights. Uh, we saw some video that came out of New York where police were showing up at private homes to say, you can't have groups of this size in your own home. And they're, and they're coming out to say, no, these are our rights. We want to have our rights. We want to keep our rights. And yet in the Catholic side of things, we have seen less of that, right? Don't you think?
3: Yeah, and that this case Brooklyn v Cuomo was absolutely definitive for every other diocese in the country. Um and I'm so glad that it, you know, turned out the way it did because look at Belgium, our headlines from Belgium. Yeah. Um the bishops there uh they allowed 4 people at mass. They just raised it to 15 and the bishops are like They were this at is 4 great. people at mass. They were at 4 people allowed at mass at wow. any mass. And the bishops are now like this is great, 15 people that's such an improvement. Um is it really though? 15 people? That's maybe
4: two families. You know, I've always felt I, there's a pragmatic side. There's a practical side. There's a uh, prudential judgment side. You know, when it comes like in the back, back in, the, in the spring, we didn't know what we were dealing with. So you made prudential decisions to try to right, uh, right. flatten the curve, as we used to say mm-hmm. back in the day. Fifteen days to flatten the curve. Remember that? Yeah. That was great. Um, and I can understand it. To, you know, I, it makes sense to be prudential. But at the same time, now we know. We know a lot more. 99 plus percent of anybody who gets sick survives it. Not that I'm making light of that. I'm not. It is serious. And I don't want anybody to get sick and or die from it. But at the same time, 99 plus percent of everyone live, who gets this will live through it. There are more pe- people who are more dangerous uh, in the more dangerous category. However, do you react this way? And it seems at some point, once you start to realize that we are, A, probably going to have to live with this for far longer than we expected, it's not like the flu, it's going to be a yearly thing, and B, we are, that it's not as lethal as it was in the beginning, and some of those lethalities could have been caused by not knowing some things, um, the intubations, for instance, that we rushed to in the beginning, those kinds of things, Um do we, now I think it's important for us to stand up for our religious liberty. And I also feel having served in the u s Marine Corps that where there's a will there's a way and there's always a way to ensure that we have a right to add the ability the privilege to go to Holy Mass.
3: Absolutely. And look at the, the lockdown has had such adverse mental health effects on the population. Suicides have increased. And um, just look at the the Gallup survey. Um, people who go to religious uh, services have better mental health. And so this is a matter of health and and life, really.
4: Yes. Um, and there's another story out. Uh, I found this over at Breitbart. Governor Ralph Northam tightens coronavirus restrictions. You don't have to sit in church for God to hear your prayers, he says uh the um, this is what it says quote this year we need to think about and this is governor this is the governor Ralph Northam here speaking quote this year we need to think about what is truly the most important thing it is the worship is it the worship or the building uh Northam said at a press conference he says, for me, God is wherever you are, you don't have to sit in the church." in a church pew for god to hear your prayers now okay that's true it's true (laughs) it's true god being omnipresent you know it's true that i could be on a golf course and god could hear my prayers as you know i swing the club and or in a shopping mall or in my bed you know in the garage he's everywhere right
3: right but we're catholics and so as catholics we believe in the real presence of christ in the eucharist and now this man is basically putting himself on as a theologian or a bishop making the decision that a bishop should no as catholics we go because god is truly present at the mass body blood soul and divinity he is there
4: yeah yeah uh and i you know to me it sort of ties into the conversation about um why the church has had a sunday obligation you know it's it's interesting to me because a lot of Catholics who really don't understand their faith very much, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that to be insulting or condescending in any way, um, just explaining, not complaining, uh, they don't understand what, they think that the church might just do a money grab. They're like, we just need people so we can get all the money in the baskets. Right. Listen, you, you you have it is a precept of the church to support the church financially. That's true, but you don't have to. You don't have to give a dime to get into the door, and nobody will refuse you access to the Holy Mass because you don't tithe. Right? Um, that's pretty simple to understand. But why does the church teach? Right, well, I guess there's dispensation still in most dioceses, but. Some, have, some of them have lifted it. Why does the church teach that it is a mortal sin if you miss Mass on Sundays? I think it's an important point for us to make. Do you know?
3: Yeah, two reasons. One, justice. Uh, we owe it to God. And two, it's the best thing for us um, as humans. We have nothing greater than, that's the peak human experience, is the holy sacrifice of the Mass when we are transported to Calvary once again.
4: Yes, Um, th- the virtue of justice, giving God what is due to him. Mm-hmm. what What is due to God? Our worship, right?
3: Yeah, and he deserves our worship because he has given us everything.
4: Now, okay, so I break my neighbor's window, right? Mm-hmm. What do I owe my neighbor? An window. apology? I'm so sorry. Good luck. God bless. Hope that works out for you. <laughs> but I'm really sorry. Take care. Or do I have to replace the window? I owe it to him, right?
7: Mm-hmm.
4: Um. What do we owe God? It's, I think sometimes we shortchange God, like as if God doesn't have an opinion. Like he does, he's not entitled. Like, like, this, when I read this article from the, uh, the governor of Virginia, when he talks about God is, God's wherever I am, wherever you are. For me, God is wherever you are. It's like, you want God to follow you around? Like, the all supreme creator of all existence everywhere should follow. I mean, he does. Don't get me wrong, but it's like an arrogant to it. But who's the
3: boss? Who's, uh, you know, driving the car um, And Christ? We have to remember Christ came to save us from sin and death. If And we, of course, we have free will. We can choose to accept that salvation or not to. Yes. Um, But God has saved us from sin and death, and so
4: we owe him our life. Yes. Now, okay, so, but then you get to the more practical sides of things. But is the coronavirus spreading further because people go to church? That's the question. That's certainly what the Virginia governor is seeming to say. This article goes on to say, quote, Northam conceded that he could not legally limit in-person worship ceremonies, noting that the recent Supreme Court decision against the state of New York prevented him from doing that. But he blamed churches for contributing to the spread of the virus, noting that some houses of worship were not social distancing or wearing masks. He says, quote, I have heard reports they don't use distancing inside church. They are not wearing masks. Quite frankly, we know that a lot of the spread is coming from this, he said, uh, Uh, Northram also instituted a curfew from 12 a.m. to 5 a.m., arguing that it was better uh, not to be out of the home late at night. I will also say something, he goes on to say, quote, I will also say something that my parents taught me when I was younger, uh, when I was younger. And that is nothing good happens after midnight. Unquote. <laughs> I may agree with them there. Uh, <laughs> Northam also ordered all bars and restaurants to stop selling alcohol at 10 p.m. Social gatherings must be limited to 10 people. He added, down from the previous uh, twi- uh, 25. Down from the previous 25. Now in a uh, in a quote, or rather a tweet from Mike Valerio, uh, summing up the uh, Virginia governor's uh, new protocols, especially in light of Christmas coming. He says, Virginians are told to stay home between 12 and 5 a.m. Masks mandated indoors, even at six feet distance. Social gatherings capped at 10 people. Orders take effect at midnight on December the 14th. And he is a local news person, I'm guessing. So um, I don't know. I see the practical and prudential side of things, but at the same time, uh, I feel like we give too much up for a virus that ninety nine plus percent people survive
3: that 's right. It seems to me as well that this is more so about control because is the is the virus necessarily more likely to infect you at twelve o five in the morning or three o 'clock in the morning uh no it 's not that 's just a control on your behavior mm-hmm. um, so i 'm not sure how much of this is based on um fact as it is on uh you know control.
4: Yes, control. All right, we're going to go to a break, and when we come back, we'll, uh, we're will we still trying to get Christopher Ferrara on. Hopefully, we'll get the, the phone situated, and, and uh, he'll be on for at least a few minutes to give us some insight from his perspective as an attorney with the St. Thomas More Society. Hopefully, that'll happen. Say a little prayer. Uh, we've been trying to get him on for the last 10 minutes or so, but we'll continue our conversation about religious liberty, lockdowns. We'll have more on that in, uh, on Monday, as a matter of fact. but. The game show's coming up the next hour, too, so stick around. Don't go anywhere. More Catholic drive time coming up next.
6: If someone asked you to divine love, what would you say? happy, wonderful feelings, butterflies. These might describe what love feels like, but none of these are really love. Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI says in Deus Caritas Est that love looks to the eternal. Love is indeed ecstasy, not in the sense of a moment of intoxication, but rather as a journey, an ongoing exodus out of the closed, inward-looking self towards its liberation through self-giving. Whoever seeks to gain his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will preserve it.
2: If we look to Christ as our example of love, we find Find that love is a gift of oneself for the salvation of the other. It is the continual dying of my selfishness, so that I may lead my spouse and my children to heaven. An amazing thing happens when we decide to truly love. By focusing on the salvation of our spouse and children, we find ourselves on the road to heaven as well. Find more at BalanceFamiliesMinistries.com. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, I want a religion that is not so dogmatic? Well, G.K. Chesterton says a religion that is not dogmatic is not a religion. A religion means something that commits a man to some doctrine about the universe. Anyone who believes anything is dogmatic. In fact, Chesterton says a teacher who is not dogmatic is not teaching anything. And if you think about it, a doctor who's not dogmatic is not who you want prescribing medicine or performing surgery. An auto mechanic who's not dogmatic is not going to be able to fix your carburetor. We want professionals to have specific training, but specific training means embracing very specific ideas. And yet we want a religion that is not dogmatic, as if standing before God is less important than repairing our car. Want more than a minute? Visit Chesterton.org
4: jesus christ welcome back to have a drive time keeping you informed and inspired i'm your host joe mcclain joining us by phone right now from the saint thomas more society is christopher ferrara good morning christopher morning praise jesus thanks for being on with us today uh we're looking forward to having a, a little somewhat brief now but a good conversation with you about religious liberty um, What is the state of religious liberty? I found that uh, the the Supreme Court case coming out against Cuomo was was a good thing for us, but what does that mean in the long term?
8: Well, it's already opening the floodgates, I think, to basically a changing direction on this whole thing. Yesterday, a judge in California just granted us a preliminary injunction against the so-called blueprint for a safer economy, and the regional surge order, or regional stay-at-home order that was just issued a few days ago in California, essentially declared that churches have to be treated as, on the same basis as essential businesses in California. So finally churches have achieved the status of essential. And so that's a major victory in California. And the court cited the Brooklyn Diocese case in which the Supreme Court said, that not even in a pandemic can you put the Constitution away. There has to be equality of treatment between churches and comparable secular activities. And in both California and New York, you have a, a raft of secular activities that are permitted. Now, the state in California, just as it did in New York, recited a litany of statistics amounting to the claim that it's doomsday in California, the hospitals are filling up, the number of cases, meaning just PCR test results, than actual illnesses, is rising, and so it's basically a doomsday scenario. They depict this as just uh, worse than the bubonic plague. Now, obviously, it is serious to a particular segment of the population. Yeah, the elderly with comorbidities are very prone to this virus. But then the response to that is simple: if it's such a doomsday scenario, why is it not doomsday at Walmart? Costco,
7: (laughs) Home Depot,
8: Market, and all of the other places on the long list of the so-called essential businesses that they allow to operate at 100% capacity or 50% capacity. So that argument has run out of runway. They've been singing this song for nine or ten months now, and I think because of the Brooklyn Diocese case, courts have been given permission, so to speak, Mm. to challenge the dogma that Whatever health experts, and these experts are manifestly incompetent, whatever they decree must be obeyed because, you know, judges can't be experts. At, at some point, that runs out of runway because now we're in, into the 10th month of this. Californians have been subjected to one lockdown after another. Open your business is permissible. Nope, got to close it. Okay, you can open it now. Well, yeah. Close it again. It's been opening and closing all over the state. People have had enough. Sheriffs are refusing to enforce the orders in numerous counties. Wow! And now with Brooklyn Diocese coming down, <clears throat> and also there was a, what they call a GVR in the Harvest Rock case. Mm. Harvest Rock, the California Church, it applied to the Supreme Court for relief similar to what was requested in the Cuomo case, and the court said, "Well, we've already decided Brooklyn Diocese v. Cuomo. So in the Harvest Rock case, we're we're going to accept it, grant certiorari, vacate." the district court's refusal to grant an injunction against the blueprint for a safer economy and send it back to the district court to reconsider its whole decision and the whole blueprint scheme of tiers and businesses and so forth that are favored in light of Brooklyn Diocese. And as that was happening, the judge in California, in my case yesterday, looking at Brooklyn Diocese and the GVR in the Harvest Rock case, just said what had to be said from the beginning, and now finally has been said. Churches are essential.
7: Yeah. Amen.
4: We have about uh, three minutes left in our time with you, Christopher Ferrara. How do you see the future? Um, are things getting more difficult? Are they, do you see like, a bright future? How do you see, if you look down the road, five, ten years or more?
8: Well, you know, the, this is a Catholic channel, so we know the Lord of history will be in charge ultimately. Amen. And all things work together in God's providence. In human terms, I see a battle for religious liberty in this country, the likes of which we've never seen before. In fact, the likes of which this country, the world, has never seen before with these lockdowns. Mm. This is primarily a Democrat governor phenomenon, Democrats in their health bureaucracies. So you'll see in the blue states, they're clinging to the power that they seized during the pandemic. And you notice, of course, that the pandemic was the excuse for changing all the election procedures. So now we have a nation divided right down the middle. Yeah, At least 100 million Americans think this election was stolen because of the measures put in place without due legal process, which involves the legislatures and the local election officials in the uh, swing states. So uh, I, I'm, pe- I'm pessimistic in human terms. I see a lot of problems for us under a Biden administration, uh, a return of persecution of conservative groups by the IRS, the continued lockdowns, mm. uh, unless uh, more courts get in line with what the Supreme Court has indicated. And then, of course, the vaccination.
4: Oh, I'm going to have to cut you off there, not because I want to. I would love to talk about the vaccinations, but I am out of time. Uh, can I get you back, Christopher Ferrara? I'd love to rebook you and have you on, uh, maybe even even next week uh, to possibly follow up on this conversation. Oh, sure, I'd be happy to do that. Christopher Ferrara from the uh, St. Thomas More Society talking about religious liberty, but we'll we'll have him back. We'll have a bigger conversation. Thank you, and God bless you, Christopher, uh, for being on with us today. Thank you. All right, uh, we're going to go to a break. We come back. We have hour two in front of us for the Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Don't forget, the game show is coming up. Prizes are involved, plus Alan Smith to talk about Fulton Sheen and Advent. All of that coming up in the next hour. Don't go anywhere. Stay right here on your Catholic Drive Time. We'll be right back.
6: Thank you for joining us
4: on your Catholic Drive Time Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things.
7: K-A-T-H,
8: 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth.
4: Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. I'm your host, Joe McClain, keeping you informed and inspired. We're having some technical audio problems uh, right now. We're working on that. Uh, The audio uh, from our uh, production machine has all of a sudden decided it didn't want to play anything. So... We roll, we keep going, praise be to God, and all things we've got a great show lined up for you. Uh, we just finished the last hour talking with Christopher Ferrara about uh, religious liberty and this hour we have our Catholic trivia game show, and the show must go on, so we're going to have prizes it's going to be an awesome opportunity. All you have to do is uh all you have to do is call eight seven 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 five seven ninety four twenty four eight seven seven We'll take the first caller during the game show, and prizes are involved. Three easy questions, but you don't even need to know the answers. We'll ask Emily and Adrian the questions, and they've got to know the answers. You just got to figure out who's right and who's wrong. So that's coming up in this hour, of course, plus the breaking news, and we have the gospel and the saint of the day, and we'll talk to Alan Smith. From uh, uh Fulton Sheen, he is a big Fulton Sheen fan. He's written two books on the subject. He's gonna be on to our conversation about Fulton Sheen and Advent, the holy season of Advent. What an opportunity we'll have. So stick around. So much to come, but let's uh, pray, and then we will dive in. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, amen. Draw your intentions together, your needs, whether they be medical, spiritual, material, whatever your needs are today, whatever you're facing today. Let's bring those together. I'm asking for Our Lady to help us with um, working out all the kinks in our production system, and then uh, let's bring them to Our Lady, that she may whisper them into the ear of her Son, that He may draw us ever so intimately into the sacred and most precious heart of Jesus. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to Thy protection, implored Thy help, or sought Thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto Thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother, To Thee do I come, before Thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word Incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in Thy mercy hear, and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. And now the headlines with Emily Alcarez.
3: MasterCard and Visa have stopped allowing their cards to be used on Pornhub. The companies announced they have prohibited the use of their cards on the adult website after the New York Times columnist, Nicholas Kristof, reported that the platform included videos of child abuse and rape. Both companies had started investigations this week into their financial ties with MindGeek, the parent company of Pornhub, and confirmed unlawful content, causing them to cut ties with the site. 106 House Republicans are backing the Texas election lawsuit in the Supreme Court. The 106 lawmakers asked the nation's top court on Thursday for permission to file a friend-of-the-court brief that asks the justices to uphold the power of state legislators to establish how presidential electors are appointed, and to determine the constitutionality of ballots cast and counted under election rules established by non-legislative officials. This comes after 18 states with Republican Attorneys General filed briefs in support, and 20 states with Democratic Attorneys General filed a brief in opposition of Texas's lawsuit. A new survey shows that religious Americans are the only demographic with improved mental health in 2020. In 2019, about 42% of those who reported attending religious services weekly told Gallup that their mental health was excellent. In 2020, 46% said the same, an increase of 4 percentage points. The survey otherwise shows significant self-reported mental health declines among those previously in excellent health. Pope Francis is granting a plenary indulgence to Catholics who are celebrating the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe at home. In order to receive the indulgence, Catholics must fulfill certain conditions. First, they must prepare a home altar or other place of prayer in honor of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Second, they must view a live-streamed or televised Mass from the Basilica of Our Lady of Guadalupe in Mexico City on December 12th with devotion and with exclusive attention to the Eucharist. Third, they must meet the three usual conditions for receiving a plenary indulgence. Sacramental Confession, the Reception of Holy Communion, and Prayer for the Pope's Intentions. According to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, plenary indulgences remit all temporal t- punishment due to sin and must be accompanied by full detachment from sin. These are your Friday morning headlines through a Catholic lens.
4: St. Maria Maravillas, Pray for Us, born in 1891 in Spain. Her father was a uh, an ambassador to the Holy See. Uh, now, at five years old, um, Mother Maria Maravillas de Jesus, at five years old, she knew that she was called to the vocation of religious life. She wanted to become a professed, uh, consecrated virgin for the rest of her life. At five, now you might be thinking, how could she know at five? Well, some people have given this grace, this school, this wonderful grace to know. And she, in fact, said on her, as she was dying in 1974, but all those years, it never changed. That strong desire from the time she was five until the time she was ready to pass, she always had this strong desire to be totally given to the Lord, to be his bride forever. Well, Mother Maria Maravillas, she was an incredible woman of virtue and of serenity in particular. Well, in 1919... The king of Spain, Alphonsus, had dedicated his country to the Sacred Heart of Jesus, erecting a statue on the Hill of the Angels in the geographic center of Spain, about 14 miles outside of Madrid. And, uh, at, in the beginning, many of the Spaniards came flocking in pilgrimage to the statue, but months pass and people began to dwindle to the point where nobody was visiting the statue and the weeds began to grow well at that time in 1919 it was sister maria maravillas and she had joined the carmelites and she felt this interior locution that she was that the carmel was supposed to be built on top of that hill and so she brought it to her superior and they too received interior locutions and they made the commitment and they eventually built a monastery on that hill and she and three other sisters were the first to occupy it. She was elected prioress in 1926. She would remain prioress for the next 48 years until her death. But um, in the 1930s, communists had come to Spain and stirred up a lot of trouble to the point where civil war broke out. And they were burning churches and murdering religious priests, nuns, and Catholics all over the country. And there was great fear and unrest. But Mother Maria never felt fear. Oh, she probably felt it, but she didn't act like it unlike me and i'm sure you could relate to this when the stress becomes very high we we start to our blood begins to like boil so to speak our temperatures flare you know our tempers flare rather and everything even the temperature gets higher everything starts to go out of whack and then we get very stressed and anxious but not mother maria she would always remain very calm no matter the circumstances there was the time when uh a communist with the nickname of the russian jumped the walls to reconnoiter the monastery because he was planning to have it burnt down and destroyed. And who was living here and who are these people? And and he encounters mother Maria and she remains very calm, very serene, very per, uh, virtuous and pious. And uh, she wins his heart and he begins to defend them and, and care for their needs rather than call his comrades to come burn the place down. There was the other time when uh, the militia shows up and, And uh, the captain of the guard holds a pistol to her head. She doesn't flinch. She doesn't get worried. She remains very calm, very serene. And she wins his heart, too. Yet, at the same time, the militia does escort him off of the hill. And from a distance, uh, Mother Maria and the sisters witness them destroy the statue to the sacred heart of Jesus that Alphonsus had, had erected for the people of Spain. And... They witnessed all the blasphemies against God when they were doing it. It broke their heart. They eventually had to go into exile in Lourdes all the way into France before they could find respite from the Civil War and the crazy. But uh, they did come back to the hill in 1939, and they did rebuild the monastery. The statue was not rebuilt. But over the years, from 39 all the way to 74, when she died, she went on to found nine other houses, including one in Spain. And every time, no matter the stress, no matter the circumstances, no matter the difficulties, she never lost her cool. She always remained very serene. And that is why uh, she was so astounded and loved by her fellow sisters and why she gives us a great example today. St. Maria Marivalas de Jesus, pray for us. And now your gospel for today, Matthew chapter 11, verses 16 through 19. Jesus said to the crowds, "'To what shall I compare this generation?' It is like children who sit in marketplaces and call to one another. We played the flute for you, but you did not dance. We sang a dirge, but you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they said, He is possessed by a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they said, Look, he is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is vindicated by her works. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Emily, pop quiz: uh, Which Old Testament passage is Jesus referring to in this pa- in this particular gospel passage?
3: Um, I'm going to be honest, I have no idea.
4: Yes, you do. We talked about it last hour. Okay. Of
3: course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this time I know. First but, time I didn't. Okay, but
4: in all honesty, <laughs> it's... I didn't know before I looked it up. Okay. Uh, so it's like, I bet most people don't know that when Jesus is saying, the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they said, look, he is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. I bet most of us don't know that Jesus is making a reference to Deuteronomy 21.20. I mean, this is what I love about Scripture. It's like there's so many layers to it. There's the surface layers, but you go dive deeper, and there's so much more there that it's just astounding to me. So when you look up the context of this, because the people he's speaking to, these first century Pharisees, Sadducees, and, and clerics, they'll know exactly exactly what the reference is Mm -hmm. they know exactly what it is
3: and even if you're not one of those people the message up front is there as well um even if you don't understand the layers to it so
4: yeah amen to that so uh deuteronomy 21 chapter chapter 21 verse 20 it says this and they shall say to the elders of his city this is this our son is stubborn and rebellious he will not obey our voice he is a glutton and a drunkard So that sounds very close to what Jesus was saying. But the very next uh, verse of Deuteronomy 21 is verse 21, and it says this, Then all men of the city shall stone him to death with stones, so you shall purge the evil from your midst, and all Israel shall hear and fear. Think about the weight of that. That Jesus is quoting this passage, essentially, or he's at least alluding to it. He's referencing it. And they will... this. First said that they will purge evil they're calling the son of man evil and they want to kill him with stones think about the weight of that
3: and this is why he said forgive them father they know not what they do because they really didn't they weren't aware of the gravity of that um, and you know what stood out to me this time Joe um, now that we're reading it again the, f- the first half where it says um, to what shall I compare this generation it's like the children who sit in the marketplaces. And say, we played the flute for you, but you did not dance. We sang a dirge, but you did not mourn. That sounds, that kind of sounds like today's generation. That sounds like entitlement. And, and what's the, (laughs) what's the cure for entitlement is gratitude.
4: Well, I think it also says that Jesus is saying, listen, we're calling to you and you won't respond. I'm here to call you, and you are ignoring the call. I mean, John the Baptist is murdered. Now we have a funeral dirge. He's calling for repentance, and you're not listening. What What do you say? You say that I'm a drunkard, I'm a glutton, and you want to stone me to death. You call me evil. What was that? I think it was St. Peter in his epistle, you know, calling evil good and good evil. Mm -hmm. A wicked and perverse generation would do that, like, the weight of that is heavy, but it reminds, I see myself standing there before Jesus with a stone in my hand. I can, I can see myself there thinking about all the things that I will have to give an account for in my life, all the words that I've uttered, all the actions that I've committed, uh, mortal sins that I've committed in my life, and I have to give an account for all those. Even though I've gone to confession and, and asked for repentance and forgiveness, I got to tell you, I still uh, have to look the uh, look him in the eye someday.
3: Right. And I love scripture. It's ever ancient and ever new. Um, We have the same problems. That generation in the time of Christ, um, they called him a glutton and a drunkard. They didn't appreciate Christ. Our generation today, you might say the sins now are greater or worse. Maybe they are.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Wow. You know, what a passage. And I think I I love the daily readings uh, in particular because uh, some of us, We'll look past them too too easily, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a good opportunity if you if you can't make it to Holy Mass today. By the way, we have a holy hour in the 3 o'clock Divine Mercy Hour every day, and you can get the Divine Mercy Chaplet, uh, sacred music, and the Holy Mass in the 3 o'clock hour right here across the Guadalupe Radio Network. Uh would love for you to tune in for that. Um, but what an opportunity to meditate and chew on the very words of, of our Lord and then dive a little deep on them. I, Amen. There's so much there. But we're going to go to a break. We're going to come back with the greatest game show ever in the history of Catholic Radio. It's and we called, are taking calls now. It's called Fear, Fear and, and trembling. trembling. Working out your salvation by the seat of your pants. The phone number, if you want to be a contestant, we'll take the first caller, is 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Um, 877
2: 757 are involved.
4: We're going to go to break. We'll be right back. So don't go anywhere. Stay right here on Catholic Drive Time. And if I haven't mentioned this me a favor and check out all of our social platforms on uh, Facebook, on YouTube, and on Twitter. And uh, make sure you like, subscribe, make sure that you share. It's going to help us to overcome, uh, not our tech problems. Now, we've got that on our side. <laughs> no, but the algorithm problems of reaching the audience with the good, the true, and the beautiful. You can be a missionary of that by sharing us widely. So we'd be very grateful to go to our platforms, like, subscribe, share, and We'll be right back with more of the of Drive Time the Game Show. Don't go anywhere.
2: This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever noticed that sometimes it's hard to get along with your family? That sometimes the people in your family are downright uncongenial? Well, G.K. Chesterton says that is precisely why the family is so important. Because it is often uncongenial every family is filled with the same problematical people that you find everywhere else. And so, anyone revolting against the family is simply revolting against mankind. As Chesterton says, Aunt Elizabeth is unreasonable, like mankind. Papa is excitable, like mankind. Our youngest brother is mischievous, like mankind. And so, If we can get along with our family, we can get along with anyone. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org.
0: Over the years, people were treated as less than human because they were a different race, a different faith, or vulnerable. But over time, we must learn that we are all God's children, created in His image, that all human creation has an inalienable right to life liberty and the pursuit of happiness a right to love and be loved so let's cherish the sanctity of life because we know how it feels when others treat us as less than human
4: Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, the greatest Catholic trivia game show known to, uh, to radio history. And someday it'll even be better, I promise you, I promise you. But uh, we're going to have fun. We give out prizes. It's a good time. Uh, so here's how this thing works. We have a caller on the line, but we have three questions. Now, we always use the easy ones, right? So nothing too, too tricky here. Uh, but here's the kicker. The caller does not have to know the answer to the questions because we don't ask the caller the question. We ask Emily and Adrian and they answer. One has the right answer. One has a wrong answer. The caller would only have 15 seconds to determine who is right, who is wrong, and it's a 50-50 chance. So, and you get three opportunities. Every opportunity that is, uh so three questions, three opportunities, every right answer goes into what we call the, the Fishbowl of Divine Providence, which looks an awful lot like a coffee mug sitting in the mug in front of Emily Alcarez at the moment. And uh, so every right answer gets gets a chance in the drawing. We're going to pull out a name, and the winner of that goes uh, gets a prize from our sponsor. And uh, Emily, who's our sponsor this week? This
3: week, our sponsor is Sophia Institute Press. And if you've been following our show, you know we had Raymond DeRoyo on a couple days ago. So we are giving away his new Christmas children's book. It's called The Spider Who Saved Christmas. It's a beautiful tradition that you probably haven't heard about. Um, And it tells you why uh, spiders are actually a symbol of Christmas and not of Halloween. The illustrations are beautiful. So we will be giving that away today, actually.
4: Praise be to Jesus. All right. So let's go to the phone. So we have uh, Russell on line one there. Russell, good morning to you. Morning. How are you? Praise Jesus I'm alive. And that counts, right? Uh, Yes, sir. Where are you from, Russell? Uh, Houston. Houston, Texas. What church you go to? I go to St. Teresa's and Sugarland. St. Teresa's and Sugarland, great parish. All right, so, uh, Russell, do you, do, you, do you get the uh, how the game works? I'm going to ask Emily and Adrian three questions. One will have a right answer. One will have a wrong answer. You will have 15 seconds on the clock to decide who's right, who's wrong. If you get the right answer... Then you go into, uh, you get a, a chance at winning the prize this week. Three right questions. Three three chances. And then uh, it goes down from there. Are you ready, Russell? Yes, sir. Let's do it. Emily and Adrian, are you ready? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Question number one. Uh, Emily, we'll start with you. Okay. Name the capital sin that breathe. is an unreasonable appetite for food or drink. The capital sin That is an unreasonable appetite for food or drink. I'm going to go with gluttony. Emily's on the board for gluttony. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, Sounded very confident in your response there.
3: Oh, everyone knows that. You Mm -hmm. learned that in CCD. Confirmation. CCD.
4: That's what I did. Adrian, the unreasonable uh, appetite for food or drink, that capital sin is called what? Uh, That's uh, intemperance. 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 Exactly. Sounds more
5: Uh, technical. I was also confident, so do I get points for that? very
4: (laughs) technical. All right. Uh, So Emily's on the board for gluttony. Adrian's on the board for intemperance. Russell, you have 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Russell, what say you? It's most
5: certainly Emily.
4: Most certainly <laughs> Emily. Very confident, Russell. As survey says, congratulations. What do you think? You're you're in the cup already, Russell. Yeah, here's your name. Very it's going in, very very in the fishbowl. All right, so you get two more chances. Very good. Well, great way to start. Here we go. Second question. Adrian, we'll start with you this time. What are the what is, What was the penalty? It says was, meaning I, maybe this is no longer the case. I don't know. We have to look that up. What was the penalty for trading sins while standing in line? For confession what well, was the penalty now i, I mean guilty. i started I'm, with you because i'm sure you're guilty of this wow well, yeah yeah
5: whenever i'm sitting standing in the confession line yeah. usually i turn around i'm like hey dude what what did you do if you tell me what you did i'll tell you what i did <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, no no that's super weird no the penalty is mortal
4: sin the penalty is mortal, is mortal sin, sin. So you're on the board for mortal sin that's what i'm on the board for that's the penalty Yes. Okay. And uh, I think that may be the effect, but okay, whatever. Emily, what say you? What is the penalty for trading sins while waiting in line for confession?
3: Um, You go to confession because you shouldn't do that.
4: Mm. Confess doing that. So you have to add that to your sins. Yeah. Okay. Emily's on the board for you have to confess that one. And uh, Adrian's on the, on the board for mortal sin. Russell, you have 15 seconds on the clock. What say you? Who's right? Who's wrong? Russell.
1: Oh, goodness. I can't even imagine
5: trying to do this. <laughs> um, I'm right to my friends beside the priest. I'm going to go with Emily again, but I'm less confident on this
4: one. You're less confident. Well, at least you're honest. Uh, very very humble. That's a virtuous, Russell. And the survey says, praise be to Jesus. Yay! Two for two. Uh, All right, here we go. Third question. We're back to you, Emily. Okay. A burial vault beneath a church or a chapel is called a what? A burial vault beneath a church or a chapel is called a what?
3: Well, I know above ground it's called a mausoleum. Underground, Mm. um, I'm not sure. I'm going to go with tomb.
4: Tomb. You're, you're on the board for Tomb. Yeah. Okay. Adrian, what say you? A, a vault beneath a church or a chapel
5: is called what? Well, for one, I definitely did not know the mausoleum one, but I do know the <laughs> underground
4: you? one is Crypt. That's wow. what I'm going to go for. That's what I'm going to go for. Emily, he sounded very confident there. I mean, yeah. that's a telltale sign, I would say. Crypt, he's on the board. Adrian's on the board for Crypt. Uh, Emily's on the board for Mausoleum. Who's right? Who's wrong? Russell, what say you? Uh, it is. Definitely crypt. So Definitely that. crypt. Wow. Uh, survey says? Wow. There for three. There we go. Wow. Excellent. Russell, you did a good job.
5: You, perfect game, sir. Perfect game. I think he's the first perfect game we've had so far. Yeah. yeah
4: congratulations. Uh, do, you, do you study your catechism there, Russell? You sounded like you knew what you were um, talking about.
5: I certainly do. I, I have two kids and I'm a recent convert. Um,
2: so what did I'm you convert 15. from? Um, slash of a witch, Freemason, atheist, agnostic. Uh, it's, it's all a mess. Wow. <laughs> you're
5: you're not alone. It sounds like my conversion, Praise too. God,
4: you're here. You praise me to Jesus. I, too, uh, agnostic, Church of Christ, ha- had been a Freemason as well. So you're not alone, my brother, and we're very glad that you are home in the church. And uh, let's see. We're going to go to break, we're going to come back. And we'll have more breaking news. And a winner of the uh, Fear and Trembling we will pull out a name for the prize. And, Russell, you are in that three times. So good luck. And we'll hopefully call your name out after the break. But, Russell, thank you for being a contestant on Fear and Trembling today. And stay
5: on the line. We'll get your information. Okay.
2: okay. Thanks for having me, everyone.
4: All thank right. You. God bless you. Welcome home, Russell. And don't go anywhere. On the other side of the break, more breaking news from Emily Alcaraz and Alan Smith with Fulton Sheen. We'll be right back.
6: This is Lavinia Spirito for Catholic Bible study. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus crosses the Sea of Galilee with his disciples and quickly falls asleep, even as their boat is amidst a huge, life-threatening storm. The text says that the sea was literally shaking like an earthquake. Imagine the disciples' fear as they awake, their master saying, Master, do you not care that we perish? Note that they wouldn't have been in this dangerous situation if they had not gotten in the boat to begin with. They are committed, no matter how big the storm. After setting sail in his boat of radical missionary discipleship, it can often seem that God is asleep or uncaring when we are troubled by the storms of life. The good news is that he is in fact always there and always ready to calm the storm when the time is right. Sometimes the storms are there to show us our total dependence on him and not on ourselves. Jesus, we trust in you. Catholic Way Bible Study, Peace, Power, Purpose. Find out more at CWBS.org.
3: Having trouble with your car radio? No worries. The Guadalupe Radio Network has just released our new version of our app. With the app, you can get a crystal clear connection of your local station no matter where you are. You can also listen to podcasts of past shows and find more ways to connect with us. Getting the new app is easy. Just search the App Store on your phone for the Guadalupe Radio Network and either download it or, if you already have it, choose the update option. Happy listening. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. These are your Friday morning headlines. Colorado has lifted their church capacity limit. On Wednesday, Governor Jared Polis asked the Supreme Court to drop the appeal of High Plains Harvest Church in Eaton, Colorado against the state's COVID restrictions. The church had asked for an injunction on the state's order that limited indoor worship to 50 people in certain areas where the virus was spreading. In its appeal to the Supreme Court on December 4th, the church argued that the state's restrictions were transparently selective and discriminatory in subjecting churches to limits that some retail stores were exempted from. On Monday, however, the state reclassified houses of worship as critical businesses, exempting them from capacity limits that other non-essential businesses were subject to. Belgium now allows 15 people at mass in a slight easing of their public worship ban. On December 8th, Belgium's Council of State ordered the government to review the ban on public masses for being disproportionate when considered in context with other activities which were allowed. The new regulation for masses allows a total of 15 participants at liturgies, while previous measures only allowed for four. The Bishop's Conference of Belgium released a statement saying, "...this slight easing offers new opportunities, including that of going to church as a family or in a group." China's extensive honey trap spy network could involve thousands of ploys underway now. Axios revealed this week that more than six years ago, Representative Eric Swalwell, a Democrat from California, began a relationship with a woman suspected of being a Chinese espionage operative. He was alerted by federal investigators in 2015 and given a defense briefing, which resulted in him breaking off ties to the suspect. Daniel Hoffman, a retired CIA senior clandestine services officer, told Fox News, I can say with a high level of confidence that there are many more of these women out there. China's M.O. is to flood the zone. William Byrne was introduced as the 10th Bishop of Springfield, Massachusetts. He's the younger brother of Sister Deirdre Byrne, of the little workers of the Sacred Hearts of Jesus and Mary, who spoke at the Republican National Convention this past summer. The bishop elect has chosen the motto in Spem Vivam, which means into a living hope. Burns said in an interview, hope means that you recognize that Jesus has already won the victory and we live in the reality of the unfolding of the kingdom of God. So we have a choice to make each day. Are we going to live in the kingdom of man or in the kingdom of God? These are your Friday morning headlines through a Catholic lens.
4: Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Uh, Thank you for being a part of the Catholic Drive Time show. Uh, We're very excited to have you on with us today. But, uh, all right, so in a minute from now, a couple minutes, we're going to be speaking with Alan Smith about Fulton Sheen and Advent. He's got two great books out, The Cries of Jesus from the Cross, a Fulton Sheen anthology. I love it, love it, love it. And Lord, Teach Us to Pray, a Fulton Sheen anthology, both from Sophia Institute Press, which happens to be our game show prize uh, sponsor for the week. Right, Emily? That's Right. And now that we have, uh, I guess his name was Thomas. Uh, I called him Russell the entire time. And not once did Thomas correct me. I was calling him by his last name instead of his first so name. So technically, you're still right. <laughs> I mean, it was like high Just school. Just to give you credit. It was like high school all over again. You know, it's like uh, <laughs> the poor guy. You know, I feel yeah, bad for him. He seemed okay with it. Yeah, praise be <laughs> to Jesus. But uh, we're now we're ready to pull out the winner That's for right. the hook. So th- we, we we draw all the names into the cup, and then we we mix them. you got to mix them, Emily. You're on I'm camera. you gotta, you got to mm-hmm. have proof that you're actually trying to be Here. unbiased and and you're going to pull out a, a name and then that person will receive will call them and they'll receive That's the right. prize from Sophie Institute Press which is the uh,
3: the Spider Who Saved Christmas yeah. by Raymond Arroyo. So if any of you have children or grandchildren, this will be a wonderful prize for them. We had a great conversation now, with
4: him yesterday. Oh,
3: it was wonderful. I would go back and watch it for our listeners. It was very good.
4: Yeah. All right. So have you mixed it up well there?
3: Yes. Here, I've mixed up the Fishbowl of Divine Providence. So okay. whoever wins this prize, it was God's will.
4: It was God's <laughs> will. Not ours. Not ours. That's I right. Uh, we, I feel
5: like we need drum music. Oh, we should, no, I, should drum I need roll. to pull. So next next week, we'll get a drum roll okay. sound effect. I
3: have the there name, is. the winner of this week's sponsored prize from Sophia Institute Press, is Cynthia. Woo!
5: Woo! Co-
7: go yay! Cynthia? Congratulations, Woo!
3: Cynthia! Here,
5: I'll, I'll to the dinging sound effect. Yeah, there, there you is. go. There, there you go. I hope she's listening. But- yeah. So, if you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, or Periscope on Twitter, you can see
4: Emily holding up the uh, the winner right now. All right. It is God's will that you should win this this week, Cynthia. Next week, we'll have another prize opportunity, another sponsor, and more fun with Catholic Trivia. So stay tuned next week on Catholic Drive Time. But uh, let's go to our call right now with uh, Alan Smith. He's on by Zoom Video. So if you're hanging out with us on Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube, you can actually see Alan with us. Good morning, Alan, all the way from Canada.
1: Good morning, Joe. Thanks for having me on the network once again.
4: Praise be to Jesus. Uh, How's life in Canada these days? Uh, The snow has come. It hasn't (laughs) left. (laughs) Now, if I'm not mistaken, Canadians actually look forward to the winter because then you can freeze your ponds and have some ice hockey.
1: Absolutely. We love the four seasons, and sometimes we can have all four seasons in one week's time. So <laughs> um, that happens to us many times. So, yeah, praise be <laughs> uh, to Jesus. But, you know, we get to make snow people. i got to be politically correct right we make snow snow people and our population increases in canada of course with all the snowmen and the snow ladies so
4: <laughs> uh, the snow population, <laughs> the snow population. <laughs> doubles the doubles the canadian people that's funny uh, uh before we jump into our conversation about fulton sheen how are how are things from a uh, religious liberty standpoint up there we were talking about that last hour with christopher ferrara
1: right um it's 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 hidden miss in the sense of in canada we have a number of provinces so just like in the united states you know the governors kind of set the tone and uh, either lock people down or let them be free and i think across canada there seems to be some restrictions um you know i think we're very polite as canadians that's just our, our nature mm-hmm. and so uh we're all getting along but um uh the sacraments are still being celebrated uh, in God. many dioceses Uh, But in some of the larger centers, unfortunately, the restrictions have um, eliminated the celebration of the Mass. The churches are Mm. open, uh, but there'll be no Mass uh, celebrated until we get into a different zone or code or everything's color now. You know, you're in a red zone, an orange zone. So, uh, but unfortunately in some of the larger centers such as Toronto, uh, the mass has been suspended. So, um, again, churches are open and limited to 10 people. Uh, but still, uh, it's just sad. It's sad. So, uh, pray for us up in Canada. Um, you know, it's like all over the world. You hear good news stories and bad news stories, but, uh, uh, again, these times were predicted. So, um, it's part of the program. It's part, part of, the of the program.
4: program. <laughs> An awesome opportunity at, uh, at uh, suffering a little bit uh, to grow in grace and grow in virtue, for sure. Penance, 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 as uh, the angel said in 1917 to the, the, the shepherd children. Mm-hmm. Well, all right, let's turn our conversation to Fulton Sheen, uh, somebody that uh, clearly you have a lot of affinity for. How did you, how did you grow your affection for Fulton Sheen?
1: Well, it was a god incident that happened in 2009. Um again I've told the story before. We were just uh, my good wife and I were dropping our daughter off at a little Catholic college and uh, my wife uh, saw a free book sign. Uh they were giving away some free books and she picked up a Fulton Sheen book called Peace of Soul mm. and she read that book to me on the way home. Uh and the very first lines of that book are unless souls are saved nothing is saved. Wow. And when I when I heard that battle cry from Fulton Sheen, I thought he's speaking my language (laughs) and uh, I just couldn't get enough of his writing. So I just uh, picked up book after book after book and what Fulton Sheen was doing was he was meeting me where I was at. Mm. Um, It's almost like he was that good pastor saying, I can work with an Al Smith. I can work with a (laughs) sinner like him. And uh, he coached me along. All of his writings were very much um, uh, timely advice. Mm. Um, And he always pointed me to Jesus, his best friend, and said, you know, uh, you may be suffering right now, but I have this friend named Jesus, and he suffered even greater than you did. So, um, you started to realize the Lord... Suffers with us. Yeah. He journeys with us that God has a plan for you. And uh, again, your life is worth living. That famous TV show. Uh, But that is a motto for so many people. Your life is worth living. So uh, that's how Fulton Sheen kind of uh, grew on me. Mm -hmm. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, the saints have a funny way of picking people. And he picked this pipe fitter plumber from Canada to uh, be his ambassador. So uh, I've been sharing Fulton Sheen for over 10 years now and uh, love doing what I do.
4: Praise be to Jesus.
1: That's Emily, great. have you ever, I mean, did you grow up knowing Fulton
4: Sheen?
3: Well, I'm, I'm from Chicago, Illinois, so mm. a couple hours away from Peoria. And actually, our producer Adrian and I took a road trip there uh, a year ago yeah just it? about a
7: year ago we, yeah uh,
5: we drove from uh chicago i was at, in chicago uh discerning with the canon regular of saint john Cantus, and i decided to stay an extra week and hang out with you and we drove down to uh peoria to go see him
3: yeah wow. and we saw the, it was beautiful beautiful pilgrimage strongly recommend taking that but yeah so we're fans of sheen here in the studio um and i think that's a really cool uh sweatshirt you have behind you on the zoom call you can see it's a school of sheen i love it Um, so what, what kind of work have you been doing to spread, uh, Fulton Sheen's message?
1: All right, um... Again, being a Sheen ambassador, it's um, it comes naturally for me. It's one of those things where I've been on radio since 2006, and so I went to my uh, producer of my local station and said, uh, I have access to all of Sheen's radio addresses and talks. Could I replay them on the radio? And uh, they gave me permission, and I started doing that in 2012, and it was a hit. Uh, within two weeks, two other radio stations approached me and said, could you do that show for for us on our station, and uh, there was this appetite for Fold and Sheen. So uh, the radio work just started to blossom, and of course, I'm uh, weekly on Radio Maria uh, up in Canada. And uh, again, I thought I would use technology, and I developed a website, and I thought, all these videos are there on YouTube. How would I bring them all together into one site? Mm. And so people can just visit today.com and that's the name of the website, Bishop Sheen Today. And I just put every video I could find, pulled it into the site. Every audio reflection I could find that was free, pulled it into the site. Mm. And all his free downloadable pamphlets and prayer cards and books, everything's there. So uh, my labor of love was just simply use technology, as Fulton Sheen would, and uh, make it easily accessible at a price that everybody loves, which is free. So Yeah, free 99
4: (laughs) We like free $99. (laughs) Free
1: 99 BishopSheenToday yeah.
4: BishopSheentoday.com is the website. We're linking to it as well, BishopSheentoday.com. I want to turn a little bit to the holy season of Advent and talk about Fulton Sheen and, and Advent. You know, Advent is a season that I personally would say that I haven't taken the maximum advantage of. Uh, and I, I think the older I get, the more I appreciate the season of Advent. Um, you know, you, I walked into uh, a Walmart before Thanksgiving, and there was Christmas music. There was—they had already blown away all the displays, and everything was already Christmas-stocked items that they were starting to sell. I mean, Thanksgiving hadn't even happened yet, <laughs> and we're already dealing with uh, with Christmas-themed stuff, and it felt like uh we're we're skipping over this wonderful season of preparation and uh and longing for the coming of the lord and getting right to the to the christmas time and then all of a sudden december 25th shut it all down it's all over pack it all away and we're the weird neighbors that go 12 more days right how, how what does sheen how did sheen take advent and what what uh, sort of what uh, nuggets can we get from sheen to help us dive deeper into this holy season of advent
1: Right. Uh, Again, Sheen's gift was he made the Christmas story, uh, very current. He brought that story and he said, Hey, there's similarities in your own life to the Christmas story. Mm. Uh, you know, he'd say, for example, you know, you're probably one of the innkeepers that turned the Lord away (laughs) and the Blessed Mother. And you go, You're right. Mm. I'm one of those. There's so many times I don't bring the Lord in, you know, Um, he would talk about the shepherds and the wise men and, uh, you know, say learn from them. And so Fulton Sheen, of course, uh, took to Penn and he put together some many beautiful Christmas books. I mean, this one here called Christmas Inspirations, those who are watching on uh, the Zoom chat or the Facebook feed, you can see this. But in 1966, he put this together and he said, you know what, I'm going to give them a Christmas collection that's going to make them think about Jesus, um, you know, wrestle with their sins, uh, realize like, yeah, you are like the beast in the manger scene. You know, we always say, how,
4: how could the Lord... <laughs> the donkey? It was like the donkey, yeah. the one that smells. Yeah.
5: I got you. Yeah. I got you.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, where can you get that
5: book at? I've never seen that book before.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I have all the yeah. <laughs> um I'll send you a free download. How's that? Sound? Yes, please. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, I'm yeah. a
5: huge Fulton Sheen fan. Uh, whenever I was in the novitiate with the Dominicans, my name yeah. was actually, uh, brother Fulton Marie. So
1: it's, it's pretty ah, cool. <laughs> very good. Very good. Yeah. And so there's 45 meditations that he gives in that book, Christmas inspirations. And so you could spend, you know, do two a day. Mm. And I mean, I, I just read some of the titles that he says. He says, you know, divinity, is always where you least expect to find it. Wow. I mean, it, isn't that true? Yeah. <laughs> Divinity is always... Like in a cave and a little baby. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And sometimes we'll find it in a shopping mall and a little child, and you always say, oh, this is what this is all about, you know. Uh, he, he asks, why are we lovable? Mm. That's a good question, you know. Uh, I love this. You know, I mentioned about the innkeepers, but um, Christmas is not for nice people, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Christmas is not for nice people and so uh, that kind of got me going uh, again How a Proud Man Visits the crib. Uh, because we're all proud, and mm-hmm. we need to humble ourselves and come before the Lord. Uh, the divine infection. You know, we're talking about coronavirus and, and the flu season, but mm-hmm. do we ever think of the divine infection? Uh, and Fulton Sheen gets into our heads, get to think about it, think about it. Uh, but my favorite is the cradle and the cross. And, um, you know, I think of this beautiful connection between Calvary and Bethlehem. I yeah. mean, it's so, so beautiful, so beautiful.
4: Uh, Fulton Sheen, the venerable Fulton Sheen. Any, I know recently there was a story that uh, a Monsignor who had been a big
1: supporter of Fulton Sheen's cause passed away. Do you have any details on that? Yeah, uh, Monsignor Sosman. Uh, He was the vice postulator uh, of the cause Mm. for Sheen's canonization, and he also wrote the Positio, which is this huge two-volume set uh, of a testimony of uh, Fulton Sheen's sanctity, his life, and uh, he succumbed to uh, respiratory uh, failure, and of course, um, again, had that was one of his crosses. He had Mm. asthma, and um, again, he passed away, and he passed away on the day... Uh, fulton sheen's um, anniversary of his death so wow uh, how um, huh. uh, very appropriate i think he wanted to be united to fulton sheen in this special way in that he went to be with our lord the same day that fulton sheen went to be wow, with our lord grace. now did monsignor have covid uh, that's what I read. So, okay. um, I think in today's world, it was, it really COVID or was it something <laughs> yeah, else? I that, mean, it is tricky
4: business, isn't it? You it's know? tricky business. But, um, <laughs> um again, Either the way, message there yeah.
1: is. The Lord calls us, and mm. we don't know the time, the date, the hour. So be ready. Be ready. Mm-hmm.
4: You know, uh, we, we were talking earlier off air about Fulton Sheen a little bit, and uh, one of my favorite stories is uh, when uh, Fulton went to Lourdes for a pilgrimage as a young priest and didn't have the money to pay the bill at the hotel, so he stayed nine days praying at the grotto and uh, on the ninth evening still had no money to pay the bill. He, be- he begs Our Lady's intercession. And a man walks up and says, uh, Do you know English? Do you know French? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Do you know Paris? Yes, I do. Will you give us a tour? Yes, I will. Have you paid your hotel bill? No, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I think of stories like that with Fulton Sheen. And there were so many. There were so many stories. of uh, why do you think uh, that his life was surrounded by such, uh, you know, incredible, miraculous and charismatic type stories?
1: Well, I, I believe he had to... You know, if he was going to talk the talk, he had to walk the walk, yeah and I think mm-hmm. this is this is the beautiful thing is that he could really relate to people and say, "Hey, I know what it's like mm. to wait to the eleventh hour to get that check and to uh rely on divine providence and that's a beautiful story you shared uh Joe but uh, again, i don't think there was some nothing that he didn't experience. I think again, the words of our Lord. Uh, He was like us in all things but sin. Mm. And I think Fulton Sheen truly exemplified that. He was saying, you know, the Lord uh, suffers what we suffer. And uh, so uh, take consolation in that. And um, again, he had a great life. I think of this farm boy, you know, from outside of Peoria, coming to the city, um, struggling with his studies. He, you know, he admitted he wasn't a good speaker, public speaker. He mm. had to work on it, work on it, work on it. And uh, again, a lot of us struggle with our imperfections and uh, know that God can uh, use that clay and make it into uh, a Ming vase. And I think that's what he kind of said, you know, uh, <laughs> the word treasures in clay is so, his, his autobiography, it's yes, great. Yes, I've got
4: it on the um, shelf at the house. Yeah, it's a great book. Yeah. Uh, we're talking to Alan Smith about Fulton Sheen and uh, diving into a little bit of, a bit of his life, but I want to recognize recommend two books. We're going to go to a break. We're going to come back. We'll continue and wrap up our conversation. But The Cries of Jesus from the Cross and Lord Teach Us to Pray, both can be found at Sophia Institute Press. But that is our conversation, the venerable Fulton Sheen in Advent and His Life. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back for more of this conversation right here on Catholic Drive Time. Don't go anywhere.
1: What does the word apologetics mean?
6: The word apologetics is derived from an ancient Greek word apologia or apologia, which means an apology. Not an apology in the modern sense of the word, which is to say you're sorry for something, but rather an apology in the ancient sense of the word, which is to make a reasoned defense of something or someone. In ancient times, the word apology referred to the case a lawyer would make on behalf of his client. So apologetics is about building the case for our faith, learning how to explain and defend our faith. Basically, there are three types of apologetics, natural, Christian, and Catholic. Natural apologetics builds the case for truths that we can know from the natural light of reason. Truths that are able to be known without any divine intervention. Truths such as the existence of God, the innate spirituality of the human soul, the objective reality of right and wrong. Truths which the articles of our faith rest upon and build upon. Christian apologetics, on the other hand, builds the case for divinely revealed truths. Truths that cannot be known by reason apart from faith. Truths such as the reality of biblical miracles, the divinity of Christ, the virgin birth, and the resurrection, to name a few. Catholic apologetics encompasses all of Christian apologetics since Catholicism is the fullness of Christianity, but Catholic apologetics tends to focus on those truths of Christianity that are not generally believed by non-Catholic Christians, truths such as the Catholic Church having been founded by Jesus Christ, the papacy, the sacraments, the Immaculate Conception, and others. Again, the three main types of apologetics are natural, christian and catholic and in this course we will be focusing mainly on catholic apologetics how to explain and defend the truths of our catholic faith
8: a beacon of truth in a troubled world this is the guadalupe radio network radio for your soul
4: Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. I'm your host, Joe McClain, keeping you informed and inspired. We're talking with Alan Smith about Fulton Sheen. And again, before we went to the break, I mentioned his books on Sophia Institute Press. I highly recommend them. The Cries of Jesus from the Cross. It's a really, really good book, especially for the holy season of Lent. But, I mean, Alan Uh, Advent should be a mini Lent, right? So I would say that this book could, you could do it easily do a meditation of Jesus Christ from the cross in preparation for Christmas. Wouldn't you? I know that sounds weird, but don't you think that that's
1: possible? Yeah. And you know, it's funny how you say that because I was thinking the same thing. I mean, the book, *The Cries of Jesus from the Cross*, is Sheen's meditations on the seven last words, so it's perfect for Lent. Uh, but *Lord Teach Us to Pray*, the anthology, the collection of Sheen's writings on prayer, uh, I think is a perfect Advent tune-up. Mm. And you know, we're all searching for again uh, a program that's easy. And I know that you love the newest edition, *This uh, Lord Teach Us to Pray*, because it's not too big. I know yes. that you're sometimes intimidated <laughs> by by big books, but uh, I'll hold it up. *Lord Teach Us to Pray*. I've Got a copy here. Mm. Uh, again, not that big, uh, 200 pages. But this collection of Sheen's writings on the Our Father, the Mass, mm. the Holy Hour, uh, the Stations of the Cross, Meditations on the Eucharist, and Our Lady, uh, it's all there. And I thought this is a perfect book to read just a few pages every day during Advent uh, because we need to work on our stuff. It's uh, kind of like what's the best Christmas present we could give to Jesus? Well, it's a better prayer life. You know, let's work on our prayer life. And the title of the book, Lord Teach Us to Pray, mm. that's perfect. If I could do anything uh, better in my life, be a better prayer warrior. Learn how to pray well and to focus when I go to Mass focus when i'm praying the our father Mm. Uh, have uh, holy hours that are meaningful not just rest time sometimes you know it's the best nap i ever get sometimes (laughs) these holy hours right yes i I don't i don't want to admit it on air but i don't know uh, why i'm always so tempted to pass straight out when i go to adoration (laughs) Yeah. well because the the disciples uh that's how they spent their first holy hour sleeping (laughs) Sleeping, right true Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah but uh i laid out a a kind of a a plan, you know. I think mm-hmm. what I try to do is a, a reading guide. So in Lent, I do a Lenten reading guide where I give you forty-five days of reading, and I did the same thing in Advent. I thought, okay, let's take twenty-six days of Advent, uh, give you a few pages every day from the book "Lord, Teach Us to Pray," and at the end of advent you 've read the book and you 've accomplished that because uh, again, and you 've improved your prayer life, so amen amen uh, yeah so that 's the key is that uh, we 've really felt that Lord teaches us to pray would be a great advent program, uh, just that tune up to give the baby Jesus the gift of saying, "I am close to you, Lord, mm. uh, my prayer life has improved, and i 'll be a better husband, father." you know, brother to uh, sister mother. Yeah. Mother. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I tell you, we need more Fulton Sheen's. And so um, (laughs) they came to, (laughs) you know, uh, again, I think of how the disciples went to the Lord Mm -hmm. and asked him how to pray. And, uh, you know, Fulton Sheen said, Hey, I'm going to teach you how to pray also. So, Amen. Uh, For three minutes the on the
4: is... clock before we have to say goodbye to Alan Smith here talking about Fulton Sheen. Emily, you had you had a question?
3: Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, I love Advent. I think it's one of the most overlooked liturgical times of the year. Um, and I'm so looking forward to reading this book on Fulton Sheen. But he also had a lot to say about uh, communism and some other issues that we're facing today. So Chris, uh, I mean, sorry, Alan, what would you think uh, Bishop Sheen would do if he were a bishop in the church today? Um, Facing the religious liberty issues.
1: Two and a half minutes. All right. Uh, Well, I tell you, Sheen has written a dozen books on communism, and uh, they're still available today. You can still find them. But I think what his message would be: um, it hasn't gone away. Mm -hmm. It hasn't gone away. So, uh, and this is what I love. I mean, I, I think Fulton Sheen is giving us Christmas gifts in the sense that he's saying, you know, you're all struggling with how do you deal with communism? What kind of response do you give? Well, he wrote it all down for us, mm-hmm. and you just unpackage his books, uh, Communism and the Conscience of the West and other books that he wrote. Uh, the answers are there. So uh, we're people of hope, and Fulton Sheen gave us the manuals. so uh, they're still with us. So uh, he would just say, go back to what I read and <laughs> what I said to you back in 1938 and uh, 39 and 40, but he was preaching against communism the whole time i mean uh, he never let yeah. up even in 1979 he was still talking against communism so here it is 2020 and we're fighting the spirit of communism wow uh, still today i wish we had
4: more time actually now that we've come to communism because one of the burning questions in my mind with a minute and a half left on the clock <laughs> is uh uh why did he and he advise bella dodd not to release the names of the communists who had infiltrated the church I mean, college you is. It would be nice to have rooted that out and gotten that over with. And instead... It seems like we went the opposite direction, uh, but uh, so much I love of uh, Fulton Sheen, I just want, I wish I could ask him this question. Any insight there with 60 seconds to go? I know
1: that's a big one, isn't it? (laughs) Well, I know. I I always think of that great movie line, Jack Nicholson, you can't handle the truth. (laughs) (laughs) You You can't handle the truth. And and sometimes we can't handle the truth. I mean, we have to um, do everything in bite-sized pieces. So, um, you know, I think Fulton Sheen has the complete answer, Uh, but I think we need a lesson plan to just kind of go at it step by step by step and so um again i think maybe that's what it might have been too much uh at one time and um again (laughs) but he was warning us he was warning us alan do you think
3: sheen will be canonized
1: absolutely i say to all the people you know to everyone that calls me about the beatification i say listen there's two things you can never take away the miracle and when uh, the Holy Father, uh, you know, approved the miracle of this little boy that was dead for 61 minutes and came back to life, you can never take that away. Mm-hmm. And uh, the church has said, you know, he um, is worthy of beatification. So I always just say there's a postponement. Uh, the date, it will happen. It will happen because mm-hmm. you can't take away the miracle. So okay. We're well, blessed. we're just about out of time. Alan
4: Smith, thank you so much for being on today. The website is today.com. God love you, Alan. Thank you for being on. Thank
1: you. Thank you, guys and
4: girls. (laughs) (laughs) And snow people in Canada. All right. Uh, Alan Smith, check out his website, bishopsheentoday.com. Also, check out his books at Sophia Institute Press. Just search for Fulton Sheen on their website, and you'll find the two there Cries of Jesus from the Cross and Lord, Teach Us to Pray. But that's going to do it for today's show. I want to thank Emily uh, for being on the program today. Thank you. And Adrian for spinning all the plates in the background. The ones Uh, and the twos. No problem. It's super easy. No problems whatsoever. Every day presents a new technical (laughs) challenge for us to overcome. But you know what? With every adversity, we become stronger and we learn new things every single day. And eventually we'll get it right, I promise you. But uh, don't forget Monday morning, we join the program again, Catholic Drive Time, 6 a.m. Monday through Friday right here on your Guadalupe Radio Network station. We've got a great show lined up on Monday. Don't want you to miss it plus father donald calloway is going to be coming up in the near future to talk about his private letter he wrote to the pope and how that got us a year for saint joseph all of that is coming down the road in catholic drive time until then may god richly bless you we're praying for you please pray for us we'll see you next time
6: thank you for joining us on your catholic drive time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and
3: inspired
4: Alan.
1: Yes. Thanks for being on, man. You're welcome. That was we fun. Do this every day. We do this every day. During this time of Advent, I am happy to bring to you a beautiful and traditional hymn, "O Come, O Come, Emmanuel," sung by Jamie Teaton.
0: We're listening
8: to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth. Catholic Radio for Your Soul in North Texas on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone. In your car, at the office, or in your home, we're always here. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for Your Soul.